Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Coffee with Shay podcast. I am your host, Shay Shy. I don't care how you pronounce it. Um, today is a special day. I decided probably last week that I was going to start having guests on my podcast. And so season three and maybe season four, um, more than likely season four, because I have some guests lined up for season four, is all about guests and just listening to real raw stories of people who just live, you know, your average everyday life. Basically, I I hate the word average and normal, but it's like people who just live a day-to-day regular life. Um, That's kind of what I wanted to focus on these next two seasons. I know like having people on the podcast, they're going to have specific topics. Some of them can be related to their education or their job that they have. But it's really just people sitting down for a coffee date. And so I'm really excited. We have our first guest on the pod, which is really, really fun because I think this is going to be a very great topic and some things that I've always wanted to talk about. But I've kind of shied away from on the podcast talking about these topics. But we're going to talk about them today. So we're going to go ahead and let Ashley introduce um, themselves and then we're going to get into the topics. All right, Ashley, your turn. Hi, so my name is Ashley. I'm 26. I'm a preschool teacher and I'm an Aries because that's important. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Um, I feel like I'm a very multifaceted individual and I have a lot of different sides to me that I'm excited we get to kind of dive into today. Um, So yeah, I'm just really excited for this podcast and to be filming it with you. I am too. Uh, So we sat and we talked about your topics and we were kind of narrowing down some of the things that we wanted to talk about and I have notes here. So the way I'm kind of going to lead this is just a little bit almost interview style. Like I'm going to say the topic of what we're going to talk about, kind of give my perspective and then we'll kind of just banter back and forth about how this is going to go. So I'm excited. Okay, so the first one is talking about queer exploration. You and I actually have kind of two different point of views when it comes to queer exploration. So for me, I haven't really ever talked about this story, but I remember this being like the first moment. So my mom identified as a lesbian for a really long time. And I was always about, you know, gay rights, gay rights, gay rights, gay rights. And my family was tolerant of it. I think for the most part, they were as... It's it's hard to say because my... And if you, I don't know if you have this experience, but my dad, my grandpa, used to say it's always Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. But he only said that about gay men. He never really said that about, like, lesbian women. Um, and then during that time, you know, the 2000s, I feel like okay, we had, you know, bisexual and pansexual, but we weren't really into this, like, scope of the spectrum, at least in in my world. I don't know. Do you feel like maybe in your world there was a spectrum? I feel like back then, well, at least for me in, I don't know, like, the earlier days of my childhood, I don't feel like it really was. But kind of leading into my teenage years, I feel like a lot more people identified with bisexuality um i feel like pansexuality was kind of like a later thing that more people started to look into and really identify with and for me i actually identified with bisexual that label for a big majority of my life i no longer do and (laughs) that's kind of like a whole thing in itself diving into the queer exploration um I just kind of felt recently with my partner that I am just, I don't feel like I really like men anymore or want to be with men or I'm attracted to men or just really see myself in that way anymore. Um, I feel like once you're loved by a woman, it just hits different, really, (laughs) Um, in the sense that it's just more passionate, it's more attentive, more caring, at least in my perspective and in my, like, from my past relationships. But 
I feel like it is something that I've had to kind of re-explore and re-get into. And it's very weird because in high school, I struggled so much with my sexuality and it was something that I was constantly battling back and forth. And once I figured out that I was bisexual, I never thought I was going to have to dive back into that and explore that again. But it's weird because when you get into adulthood, a lot of different things change. And I kind of feel like you go through this second puberty or this second like growth spurt in a sense of like all the different changes. So that was kind of my experience. Yeah, mine was so different. So I, I'm leading up to the story really of like how it went because mine was like the least and it was like the most, I don't know, least climatic I can't wait. I can't think of the word. It's like the least anticlimactic, whatever. Like it wasn't anything special when I did come out. Um, But like I said, my mom identified as a lesbian and her preference were mask women. And I just remember like hearing really awful things about like mask women um, because she, I mean, she really, really was super close to like, looking more like a man than a woman and so a lot of times I heard really negative things about her and it was like sad because like she she did embrace her femininity in certain ways but like she was more mask than than she was more feminine and so that was kind of my first experience and then my second experience which I'm I didn't I don't think I've ever talked to her about this one but I had a best friend growing up and not gonna name her name because it's it's my story it's my truth um but I had a best friend growing up from sixth grade till about 11th 12th grade we're still friends to this day like she had a child and I've I've been somewhat present in the child's life as much as I can because I live 1600 miles away from everyone but I I had a friend who came out to me And I'm like, cool, that's great, that's fine. At the time, I was dating um, this horrible man. But I was. I was dating this this man. And I remember him and I were hanging out one day, and she texted me, and she's like, so I'm coming out. I like women. And I'm like, that's great. Like, I'm so proud of you. It's amazing. But then the next thing that came from her was, I think I'm in love with you. And (laughs) and I was like oh those feelings are not reciprocated and to this day she's still not my type in women like she's just she's not my type and um it's it's interesting because I think that's what and we're gonna talk about friendship breakups because that ended our friendship right there that was a friendship breakup and she started hanging out with another girl senior year. They even walked together at graduation. All these things. Like, I missed out on all this stuff. Like, I'd been best friends with this girl since sixth grade. And in, le- like, beginning of 12th grade, she was like, I'm in love with you. And I was like, I'm not in love with you. I'm sorry. Like, it was such a tough experience. And that, to me, was, like, the first heartbreak I've had in friendship. Yeah. That's, that's honestly a lot to take in. It really is. Like, it's hard to sit and, like, be like, I love you very deeply. Because I do. I I loved her so deeply, but very platonically. Right. And if you look at the history of women that I've dated, she doesn't even fit really on that scale of women that that I've dated. Maybe personality-wise, but not necessarily, like, looks-wise. And I don't think I have necessarily, like, a this is what I look for, like in a woman or anything like that but I do I have historically been with more mask women kind of like my mom where it was like more mask women was like historically what I've been to um so and she doesn't she didn't fit that you know I mean to this day she still doesn't fit that and so that was like a really hard moment for me so we'll talk about that friendship breakup in, in kind of a second. But um, getting back to like when I came out, I was sitting, I had been dating someone for like 
I mean, we, we dated for like three and a half, almost four years. And I was sitting with my friends and I, I think I was a little drunk or something. I don't know. And I called my parents and I was like, Hey, do you know that I'm queer? And they're like, we've been waiting for this. And I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. And my grandpa didn't have much to say, like my dad, grandpa. My grandma kind of had more to say about it, but she was just like, okay. So what do you define yourself as? I was like, yeah, I think, you know, Pan is, is like the biggest thing for me. Like that's where I, where I sit at and that's where I've sat at for a long time. It's where I sit at today. Um, but that was kind of just anticlimactic. That's the <laughs> word. That's anticlimactic. Yeah. I feel like it's really good though that they they knew like they had something in them that you know had known that you were queer this whole time because that's very different also from my experience of coming out um when I first first brought my girlfriend home I never had a conversation with my mom about me liking women and I used to live with my mom and my grandparents mm -hmm. so when I brought her home it was to meet all of them but I they've only seen me with men and bringing home men so I guess they just assumed that I was straight which I can understand but that just wasn't the reality um I had a difficult relationship with my mom which is why I never had an emotional connection with her i never felt like she was really a safe space for me to go to for certain things so i never opened up to her about my sexuality and when i i remember when i brought my partner home um my grandma at first thought that we were just friends even though my girlfriend is more masculine presenting she just assumed we were besties like gal pals <laughs> like that whole thing two gals in um, the town yeah, it's like, it was so far from that. It's actually crazy. But then when my grandma ended up finding out that it was more, um, she had not the greatest reaction whatsoever. She was like, I don't want you in my home. I don't want you um, like that type of lifestyle around me. And it was very hard because my grandma and I are so close. Yeah. Like we are the exact same person we get each other on like a very different level than I do with any other family member like that is my girl <laughs> so it was very difficult but eventually as she got to know my partner and I surrounded my partner with my family it got so much better and my mom's actually very supportive my sister like all my family is now and they're just obsessed with my partner so but it definitely was different I, I kind of almost wish that they knew but at the same time I don't feel like I ever gave any signs really for them to know so I think that my mom broke the ice if I'm being honest like my mom got what you got like the brunt of of everything is what my mom got and and my mom dated the, the like I said the woman named um Tish for like a just a I mean they were off and on for like years and years and years and my mom definitely got like the brunt of like all of the things but because I came out when I was like 21 and I went to a liberal arts college I promoted queer queerness all over my social media there there were inklings but it's because I came out later in life and, and even when I was in high school, I was promoting, you know, queer life and, and all of that stuff. Like, I was promoting it because my mom was, I mean, 2015, I, yeah, 2015 when, um, you know, gay marriage was legalized, was like, I was crying. <laughs> I was in there and I was like, oh my God, yay, my mom can get married. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, mom can get married if she wants to. And I was like so excited and um, it, was a, it was a big moment, but I think my mom got what you got and it's really sad because I wish that every person who came out as queer got the acceptance that my family was giving. Second round, <laughs> not first round, but second round. 
But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's hard. And then sitting and putting a label on something is even harder. I really love the term queer. I really do. But for some people, it's really important to have that label. And so I, I want to give the label when people want the label, but I try very hard to do this umbrella term of, you know, they're just queer. And, and that seems to, to help a lot with like, just being as neutral as you can as possible. Right. I agree. There's also a lot of people that use the term queer that if they don't exactly know their label yet, if they're trying to figure out, you know, what label fits them best, they try to use queer for the time being to just basically say that they're not straight. Yeah. And that was kind of me for a little bit as well. I kind of did use the queer term, but then, you know, I ended up transitioning to bisexuality and now to a lesbian. What if there's a day, which if I were to have children, I would assume that my child is bringing home anybody. I seriously would not assume my child is straight, if I'm being very honest. It's my, it'd be my child. <laughs> um, but I, I hope for a day where, like, it's not coming out. Even when, like, trans kids are coming out and they're, you know, hey, you know, I feel more aligned towards, you know, this gender I hope that that's not even a thing that has to happen either. Right, I agree. Because it's very daunting to have to have that pressure on you to feel like you have to come out. And it could be very scary because you don't know what reaction you're going to get. You don't know if it's going to be positive. You don't know if it's going to be negative. And I feel like that just adds more pressure on to queer people where it doesn't have to be. Because the reality of the situation is straight people never have to come out. No. So why do we, you know? I don't even know. (laughs) That's why I was saying, like, if I were to have children, which I don't know if that's happening, but if I were to have children, I would never assume that my child is straight. I really would. I would be like, at some point, I think you might be on the spectrum of queerness. Like, I could believe it. Um, Not that I think it's like a gene that runs in our family or something, but I think when you are in a safe, loving environment where you feel like you can sit and identify however you feel and you can love whoever you feel apt to love, that's what I want for a child. I I want them to always feel safe and welcome. And I think when you're in those environments, you're able to like love who you want. Yeah, you're able to flourish and love who you want and, and all of those things. Right, I love that. I think that's why I felt so okay coming out and stuff is because there was already you know someone who was queer in our family and and I didn't have to you know deal with the brunt of of everyone's relationships and then for years my my cousin she's she's very masked I mean she I I don't know if she necessarily identifies as a lesbian but historically she's only dated women as far as I know um and she's engaged to a woman right now and she was she was masked growing up our whole life and people it's like you have that cousin that you just assume right i feel like it's almost universal in like every single family right definitely is every family because as soon as i came out i feel like a lot of my other family members started coming out and i'm like bro what like are you serious (laughs) right now that's just crazy it's definitely has to be like something universal because i've heard about it a lot in like different people's families it has to be yeah but uh going off that topic of friendship breakups because we're gonna talk about that too i can't believe that that was that was like the hardest part for me and i get why she'd want to not be my friend anymore because because you don't want to be friends with someone that you you love Right. And I don't, I am never going to minimize her feelings, but I don't, I don't know if she did love me in that way. And that's why, I, maybe she did, and that's why she decided not to be my friend. I know that I didn't handle it necessarily the best way, because it was like, how do you reject someone nicely? You can't reject yeah, to be put in especially someone who you consider to be your best friend it's like you 
are trying to handle the situation even more delicately because you don't want to lose them as a friend. Yeah. But then it's also very hard on their end because they do have these feelings for you. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't reject men nicely without something bad coming out of it. <laughs> that's a whole another thing that's like... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. But, you know, going back into the friendship breakups, um, for me, that was kind of the first one. And then the second one was a girl who had also been friends with since sixth grade. And I think when you're in high school, you for a lot, I feel like this is very universal for as long as you're, you know, not under the umbrella of queerness. But for a lot of you know, straight women, boy crazy, boy crazy, boy crazy, boy crazy. And her and I have talked about it since then. And we're good. We're fine. You know, I was literally invited to her wedding. But she talked to this boy that I had talked to for two years. And we ended up, I called her out in the lunchroom and was like, you blah, blah, blah. I probably called her mean things. I don't know what I called her, but called her mean things and stuff. And it was kind of like, for me, there's like a certain code that I live by in friendships and it's so hard. And I think you and I have talked about this, like what we expect out of like our friendships. She wasn't giving that. And her best friend like married her ex-boyfriend. Like for her, that's not like, that wasn't girl code. She wasn't breaking it. Right. But for me, that was breaking it. Cause it's like, I'm not going to date any one of my friends' exes. And, and right now, I've had to like get over that because I have a friend right now who I've known since kindergarten who's dating my ex-boyfriend and it's like it's been since high school so it's not even that big of a deal but in that moment when she told me I could have been like you know big f you we're not going to be friends anymore and that wasn't that I didn't want to do that why would I why would I lose a friend because you know I did it in high school why would I lose a friend again since I've known you since kindergarten but that was just a code that I had lived by and I didn't really like. So that was my second friendship breakup. <laughs> They're honestly so hard to go through. And I I just recently, I guess you could call it recent, it was within the last year, um, have went through a friendship breakup and it has just been so hard. I feel like sometimes with friendship breakups people just assume that it's easy and it's just like a clean cut off and Mm -hmm. you know if this especially if this person did you wrong you're kind of expected to just not like them or wish them bad and that never was the case for me so it made it kind of even harder but this person in particular we had been friends since middle school and far into our adulthood i'm 26 now and we just stopped being friends like last year so when i was 25 and it was very difficult for me our friendship it kind of felt like a dictatorship in a way but also they we had a lot of good times together and i would babysit her her siblings and her family was very inclusive when it came to me um But I realized later down the line that she wasn't a great friend to me. And she was very negative. She had a lot of toxicity growing up in her home with her her mother. And I'm not really going to share that because that's her prerogative. But Mm -hmm. what I'm basically trying to say is that she had a lot of negativity going on in her life and around her. And I feel like when a person has a lot of negativity like that, it kind of goes into their other relationships with people with friendships and that's kind of what happened um it turns out that this person was very jealous of me and wanted things that i had and instead of being happy for me like how you would someone you consider to be your best friend she kind of was envious and would always make these little snide remarks that were supposed to be taken as funny but they weren't like you could tell she was just making fun of me and picking fun at me and just tearing me down in any way that she could and she lacked boundaries she was allowed to do things but I wasn't allowed to do those same things and anytime there was a teeny tiny hiccup she would block me she would ghost me and then when she needed me again she would unblock me and she would start 
reaching out to me again and it, it was just a very weird I don't even know if I can call it a friendship anymore because I feel like a real friend would not do that to you. She was not a girl's girl. Right. That's just not the type of energy that I wanted in my life anymore. So last year I had just moved and I was already on this whole journey of a fresh start. And so I kind of felt like I needed to finally let go of that. So I had told her basically that You know, I love her. I care about her still. But where I'm at in my life right now, I just don't feel like we align. And like, I want to be friends with you. It just feels like more effort than it's worth. Mm -hmm. And it feels like I'm continuously going through these things that I shouldn't have to be going through. Because I'm a good person. I'm a good friend. And I deserve someone who's reciprocal with that. So I finally had to put my foot down and just not contact her. And she was extremely, extremely upset. Like she was cussing me out. She was saying all this stuff. And it's very, it was very hard because I can be a feisty person, you know. And of course, if someone's yelling at me, I'm going to want to be like, why are you doing this? And kind of defend myself in a way. But I just really tried to remain calm. And that took so so much out of me to have to do but I did and I really was trying to leave our friendship off on a not a sour note but it just turned out that that wasn't what happened so um it has had its challenges along the way because obviously you have had good times with this person and you really just remember it especially when you're lonely you know and you've been friends for so You'd been friends for so long. I mean, come on. Yeah, it, it's very hard. I mean, there's we've been through so many things together, like, throughout our life of our coming out, like, me and her coming out, and just a bunch of other stuff. So it, it kind of feels like a relationship breakup, in a sense. Yeah. So there's a couple things that I want to know from your story. One, she's not a girl's girl. But as someone who also didn't grow up being a girl's girl, you know, I think that's why I had friendship breakups like the one with the boy because not that I was like inherently jealous, but it was like, okay, why would you do something like that from to me? Because she at the time wasn't being a girl's girl. I mean, and we we hear this topic on the internet, girl's girl. And I know it's not super inclusive with the language, but I think when we're talking about it, it's like just not being jealous of other women. It's not being jealous of, you know, identified women. So you identify as a woman, that kind of thing. And so, you know, not sitting and being jealous of somebody and she was sitting there and being jealous of you. And and that's like, that's so hard to deal with when somebody is like consistently jealous of like your success and your happiness and that's so frustrating (laughs) that's so frustrating to be when you consider this person to be you know your best friend you obviously want someone who will cheer you on and who supports you and congratulates your wins instead of just tearing you down and it always felt like there was this negativity around it and I didn't want to carry that into my life And the honest truth is that when I finally let that friendship go, my life got 10 times better. And that's really when I realized that this was the right decision for me. And a lot of the time afterwards, I kind of felt doubt, like, did I make the right decision? Was this the right thing to do? Should I just have, you know, talked it out with her? Yeah. But there were many, so many times I tried to talk it out with her and explain how I felt and urged her to change her behavior and she would for a little bit but then she would go right back into it um and it also reminded me of my relationship with my mother and I can't do that like I yeah I can't put it so I just knew eventually it wasn't the right move for me in adulthood I did have like a friend breakup that was pretty serious um you and I had talked about it but yeah I haven't ever really mentioned it on the podcast because 
she has her version of the truth, just like your friend probably has her version of the truth. And she does, and that's okay. She's allowed to have her version of the truth. But the way that I interpreted this situation that happened, so I was friends, and for me, I do have to identify that she was a black woman because it, it ties in later to the story. So um, she had a lot of trauma from her family too, like just a lot um, because of the, the stigmas that existed within mental health in her family, um, being a black woman, that there were just a lot of stigmas that happened. And so she, when her and I became friends, it was like 2021, 2020. Yes, it was 2020. So the year of COVID. And that was when I finally started getting a voice and I had boundaries and I had things happening in my life that were really dramatic. Um, and I was dealing with a lot of my own personal awakenings and things like that, which we'll talk about healing journey. So um, just kind of stuff like that. And this will lead into our healing journey conversation because that's where this all really started. And so her and I were friends and I distinctly just remember that her and I had two boundaries that just didn't align with each other. She had a boundary, I had a boundary. And they did not align with each other. And in 2020, my dad passed away. So in the time that my dad passed away, I was also dealing with a relationship complication with a woman, while also ending another relationship that I had. So there were a lot of things that were happening and I had ended up like a three and a half year relationship. Well, that girl was also friends with my ex-boyfriend. So she, took his side because she didn't know the truth and the stories of my side because I, I let people paint me as the villain in that breakup. I let people do that and it's okay. Like that's his truth and that's his story. I was a villain to him and that's fine. And I understand that, but that's what really kicked off a healing journey is like being somebody's villain and knowing I didn't want to be someone's villain. And her and I had had complications. Our boundaries just didn't align with each other. She was very strong in her opinion. I'm very strong in my opinion. Two strong people don't always work out. Um, it, it was like an Aries and an Aries dating. That's pretty much it. So that's a lot. <laughs> and that's a lot. Yeah, we were like two fire signs, like two of the same fire signs dating. And I distinctly remember what really brought probably an end to our relationship is I went to a New Year's Eve party. I was dating this, um, at the time she was using she, her pronouns. Um, so was dating this person and, um, they were playing around. And like I said, my friend is a black woman and she's dating a Hispanic man. Well, <laughs> There's one other black person in the room and he turns and looks at his friend, the Hispanic boyfriend, and calls him the N-word very loudly, derogatorily, obviously. Why are you as a Hispanic man saying the N-word anyways? But he grew up in the quote hood, so he thought he could say it. And he's never been corrected. And his girlfriend did not correct him. I was the only one who corrected him in, the ha in that house. All the other white people are sitting around going, what? And I'm the only one who says anything. And I'm like, why would you say that? Like, what the fuck is your purpose for saying that word? And why would you say that to your friend? So I'm calling him out. I think that's truly what ended our friendship. Aside from the fact that she took my ex's side, that's what ended our friendship is because I corrected her boyfriend. And that was very uncomfortable because that to me led to learning what I don't want in a friendship. When it comes to like progressive opinions, you do not allow, no matter like you know white hispanic whatever you do not allow your partner to say that word that does not happen and if my partner were to ever say that <laughs> we'd be done that's it that's the end of it don't don't say that word and she allowed that to happen and it was very uncomfortable because now at this point i've heard that she doesn't let anyone correct her boyfriend he still says it and she doesn't allow anyone to correct it that's very sad because she should have been the one to correct him definitely on his behavior and the fact that you know she was there and just allowing that behavior from him kind of shows that you know exactly the type of person she is and the type of friend that she is because yeah she should never have gotten mad at you defending him 
because it should have been her. That's really point blank period, but it should have happened in my opinion. So no. And in my opinion, she should have been the one to correct him. Did she correct him after I said something? Yes. But does she still allow him to say that word? Yes. I, as a white person cannot sit there and allow that to just happen. Like there's a certain amount of privilege that I have to have that I have to use in order to correct behavior like that. You should not also feel comfortable saying that in a room and there's a bunch of white people and you should not feel comfortable saying that at all. Like nobody should ever feel comfortable unless you are black yourself should feel comfortable saying that word. And, and he was, he was comfortable saying it and she allows him to still say it. And for me that kicked off, like if you as a black woman cannot correct your boyfriend who is not black saying things that are historically not allowed for anyone but black people to say are you gonna stand up for me like like are you when it comes to like my other identified labels are you going to also continue to be progressive with my labels like and that's how I looked at it was like you don't have any respect for yourself you won't have any respect for me too. That's very sad. That's a hard thing to have to come and sit with. It is. And then that really kicked off my healing journey. Um, So we're going to kind of get into the healing journey, but that really like breaking up and being that villain in someone's story and my dad passing, I was like, I'm going to get into therapy like fuck this shit I I need to get it I need to get this figured out and the the person that I was dating at that time right after that relationship because you know I'm the villain I done bad things person I dated right after that was horrible oh my gosh like just terrible and they had needs and wants that they wanted out of me but I'm sitting there my dad just passed away and they're like but I'm sad I'm depressed and I'm like okay yeah I'm here for you, but my dad just passed away less than a month ago. Okay, so we'll get into the healing journey. Um, We're going to break for a brief ad and then we'll be back and we'll get into the healing journey. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for listening to that brief ad. Remember, every time you listen to an ad of mine, I get just a couple cents in my pocket because I'm big ballin' rich over here, right? Anyways, so I'm back with Ashley, and we had left off talking about healing journey, which is great because I want to talk about that. What kicked off my healing journey was my dad passing away. Um, that, That did it you know, you lose a parent. For me, there's something, I think losing anyone is hard. Okay. So losing like a partner or losing a parent to me, I think those are two of the hardest things to lose is like a parent and, and, and like your lover. And I know that for some people, they may disagree with that. And that's fine. If I were to lose my brother, it'd be the same kind of pain, but it was just like, for me, it was so sudden for losing my parent. And so we kicked off the healing journey and I said, okay, I'm going to go to therapy. Um, I feel like I'm being toxic. I feel like I'm just being complicated. Um, that last relationship I had was terrible. I'm, I'm being a bitch. Like I'm just the worst person on the planet. And, and that's kind of how it started was just like, I think I'm being terrible. And, and there we are. That's, that kicked my healing journey off. What kind of kicked yours off? For me, I just kind of, I think it was a breakup really for me that kind of kicked off my start um, a few years ago, maybe like, I don't know, it's been over four years because the relationship I've been in now, we've been together for four years. But when I was with this person, he was also an Aries. So an Aries and the Aries, like you were talking about before, it was very chaotic, very passionate, very intense, and just very crazy. So um, we were together for a year, but we did a lot of stuff together that it felt like 
we had been together for much, much longer. Um, so because of the intensity of the relationship, the breakup was also very intense for me. And I realized that I was very insecure in that relationship. I didn't love myself. Um, I also was struggling with a lot of things mentally. And I think at that point, um, when I was in that relationship, I had the mindset of my partner is supposed to fix me. And that's obviously not the greatest <laughs> mindset to have because I feel like, you know, yeah. now obviously I know that no one can help you, you know, better than you can help yourself. And you are the one that has to really take the reins on your healing and just go through that journey. That is your journey to go through. Mm -hmm. So with the start of that breakup, I took some time for myself and I really just wanted to get back to myself. I felt like I had been insecure and I had been sad for so long that I really just wanted to find a new me. I was so tired of just going through pain and going through like hurt and heartbreak that I just wanted to become better. So um, when I was with my partner who I'm currently with now, I started going to therapy to really dive into a lot of my traumas mm -hmm. um you know that being certain things that happened just in my life and with my mother and just a lot of different things i feel like contributed to my behaviors yeah. and certain things that i was doing so i felt like going to therapy really really helped me it, it made me focus on you know what i wanted for myself and what kind of person i wanted to be and I really needed that. I needed that more than I ever thought I needed it. And that's what really kind of kick-started everything for me was really the breakup. I think what kick-started, like, figuring out my mental health shit was, and it's the most fucked up thing that somebody could honestly say to me, but I had an ex-partner whose family I was really, really close to, and I remember sitting down and having a conversation with them and then being like, what's wrong with you? Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you the way that you are? And That's I was, a lovely thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, okay, I'm going to get tested for autism, which is something you and I have talked about. And I didn't get to get tested because it was like $2,000 to be tested by this psychologist that I knew because I, I was in college. So that really kicked off the journey of, like, stuff. Because while I was in that relationship, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which you and I share. Um, yeah. and I just remember that being a really, really tough day for me of being diagnosed with bipolar disorder and just like being like, Oh, I have all these stigmas in my head. You know, my mom had my mom. I don't think she has bipolar disorder. She has BPD. She, I did find that out, which is very, very, I could guess that myself. But, you know, the only person that I infamously knew with bipolar disorder was one, an ex-boyfriend that I had in high school who went through very tough manic stages. Very tough. Like, he thought he was God completely. And that's how some manic stages can get. Uh, the severity is, like, you believe that you're God. You're invincible. And then the depressive states were really bad. But then the other person that I infamously knew was Kanye. Right which we all know and he doesn't necessarily paint the best picture i think he paints a picture of what happens when you don't take care of your bipolar disorder diagnosis like i think that's right. what he tells us is like this is an unmedicated man and a man that's clearly not in therapy which all men should go to therapy just my opinion all men <laughs> should be in therapy but you could tell, like, he clearly was not getting himself help. And so that was really tough for me. And I remember the stigmas that were around bipolar disorder during that time of, like, I think the word psychotic and crazy was just thrown around way too much. Right. I agree. It's, I mean, it's, it's very... Yeah. To something and, you know, find out that you do have bipolar disorder and then see and realize all the stigmas that are behind it like those words that you said like crazy and psychotic for me when I found out um I was very scared to tell people even people that were very close to me like my sister and my partner my mom because 
I didn't want them to think those things about me. I didn't want them to think I was crazy or psychotic or, you know, believe those stigmas when they are very much not how I feel about myself and not who I am. And that was really the toughest part for me to find out that I had bipolar disorder was just the stigmas around it. I, it really was a battle when I find out or found out kind of like, I guess you could say I kind of hated myself at that time because I just didn't want these stigmas to be placed on me and kind of shape who I was as a person. Yeah, I didn't want people to look at me and and already have a label for me. And when you sit and you say I have bipolar disorder, you're labeling something and then people have their own labels that they place on you. It's the same thing as like the queer exploration. When you decide to come out and be honest with yourself and other people, people are going to make their own labels and own assumptions on you. And it's very hard. And then when you're trying to deal with a healing journey, so, you know, I was diagnosed in 2019. He was diagnosed in 2019 and then 2020 and then 2021 is when I started on my healing journey. I met my partner about six months into my healing journey and he's been the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. And you had said earlier, like, you can't expect a partner to fix you, which is true. I don't expect him to fix me. But at the same time, he's very healing. Like, he's just a healing person. I get what you mean because I feel the same way with my partner. It's kind of like you're not expecting them to fix you, but they are helping like without necessarily knowing that they're helping just by being who they are it makes me like when I cried I'm sitting here like trying not to tear up but to have somebody fix something that they didn't cause like they didn't put those burn marks on your heart they didn't you know break your heart but they're slowly like piecing it back together and there's something just so healing about having such a stable relationship in your life. And for all people, whether that's a friend or whether that's a partner, finding just a stable relationship in your life that helps you piece together those things that were broken. I completely agree. And I feel the same way about my partner. This is the healthiest, healthiest relationship I have ever been in. And I feel like because it is the healthiest it does take a little more work than my other relationships because you are actively putting in that work to be better for yourself and for them so it's kind of like it's been a healing it's it ties into my healing journey as well and it just feels so amazing to be loved by somebody who sees all of your flaws and sees like like how you said the broken parts of you and just loves you regardless and loves every single part of you. I just think that's so beautiful. And it's something that I never really knew if I would find or if I deserved, but it's just been a beautiful experience. And I feel like, like you said, if you find that in a partner, or if you find that in a friend or someone you consider to be family, I feel like that's just so important and it is very healing to have somebody like that that just aligns with you and who is there to watch you flourish into you know the person that you want to be I thought for a while before meeting my partner that I was like quote healed kind of like just healed because I was going to therapy and I was taking my medication and you know I was working out and doing all these things I thought I was healed and then being in this relationship with my partner he's had to sit and point out like things that I do that are unhealthy and very toxic and you know for him I can see that being very difficult to have to deal with all of those things that are going on and and the partner who is continuously because healing is not linear or it's not linear and it's also not an end point right and yeah it's a continuous journey that you're going through and and to have somebody a lot of people think they're healed until they get into a romantic relationship and then it yeah. just re-triggers maybe not so much <laughs> yeah you're sitting there and you're like i did not think that through because you have someone constantly like in a good way triggering all these things that happen to you all these things that you thought you had healed but 
they're triggering that and and they're not meaning to but they're doing it and then you have to learn to deal with that each time it comes up I had read this quote before that said your triggers are what exactly you need to work on so instead of always seeing it as a bad thing when you are triggered you can kind of shift your mindset and kind of realize like when I am triggered by these certain things, it's something you know you have to put more of your attention yeah. into healing. So, and I want to turn this all into like dating with like your healing journey, but like that's for me that's been the biggest pivotal moment is being in a healthy relationship and and being exposed to like he is like a really healthy family. They're amazing. They're great. And they his mom doesn't know it, but she's healing a lot of like mom issues for me like she doesn't know it but she is and then his dad is doing the same thing you know like my heart's been broken since my dad has passed and now I don't feel like it feels like my dad's passed but it feels like I still have something there right that's beautiful and people don't know that I and 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 another part of my healing journey was like placing more importance on my platonic relationships too. And I don't know about you, but for me, that was very important and pivotal is like to treat platonic relationships just like you would a romantic relationship. Right, I completely agree. Um, where I'm at right now in my healing journey, I'm necessarily more on like the loner side of the road right now. I have kind of ended toxic friendships and I'm just doing me right now I'm really focused on like myself and I feel like once I like continue to do that the right people as far as friendships go will come to me so that's kind of where I'm at right now but I completely agree with you when you say that you have to prioritize your platonic friendships because there's a lot of people that I guess when they kind of get into a relationship, their friendships get put on the back burner a Mm -hmm. little bit. And that can be, you know, that can be hurtful in itself. And I feel like there's so much love and so much healing in friendships that you don't have to push them to the side. You can allow them to grow and flourish and, you know, be a healing space for you just like you can with, you know, your lover relationships. Yeah. I, my friends are so vastly different and, and, and I want to talk about their signs cause that's very important. So we're going to segue into the next topic of like signs. Um, it's been complicated dealing with each friend and, and then also like my partner and, and his sign too. So he's a Scorpio moon me too yeah so he's a scorpio moon sorry i hate to be so mean to you about that and he's and he's also an aries himself too um i don't remember what his rising is but we sit and we joke about it all the time because it's like him being an aries and me being a gemini is like two pair that you would never expect would be together and it works like it works (laughs) I feel like a lot of people don't think that Aries and Gemini get along, but we're both very, like, goofy and fun, and I feel like our energies just, like, feed off of each other. Okay, I got it backwards. I, I, it's the other water sign. He's a Pisces moon in the Scorpio rising, which is why he's so mysterious and he doesn't like to be perceived by people. Um, he, yeah. He is, he doesn't like to be perceived by people at all, which is such a Scorpio thing. I remember in high school dating a Scorpio man, and he also did not like being perceived by people. Yeah, I'm starting to like, as I've learned more about my chart, um, so I'm an Aries sun, I'm a Scorpio moon, and a Leo rising, and that is one hell of a combination, <laughs> but with my Scorpio moon, I get into those moods where I don't want to be perceived either, like... I feel like my Aries side and my Leo side always want to be seen and have fun and just put myself out there, especially on social media. I share a lot of my life, but then sometimes I get into these moods where it's like, "Mm, I feel like too many people are perceiving me. Let me take all my posts down. (laughs) So I like archive all of my posts when I get into these moods and I feel like just who I am is a constant battle between the signs. Oh my gosh. I am like, 
the excessive need to be perceived by everyone. But also at the same time, if you perceive me wrong, you and I are going to, like, duke it out. Like, you've seen me on social media when people are in my comments thinking that they can come in on my comments, my side of the internet, thinking that they can say some dumb shit to me. Right. No. Which goes into my Gemini. <laughs> so I am a Gemini sun. I am a Taurus moon and I'm a cap rising, which is why I, and I'm not saying that anyone with a nurse sign is boring, but that's why I am like a more chameleon type of look. That's why I think I have a very, not average look, but like not basic in a way. Like, I don't want to say boring, but, like, I mean, I wear black all the time. I wear white all the time. Like, you know, I'm constantly wearing neutrals. It's a very earth sign thing. I feel like to wear neutrals and stuff. Right, but my cap rising is always, like, ready to do get out with people. Like, my cap rising is, like, come at me. Come at me. And then my Gemini son is, like, chaotic. And so I want to be perceived and I want to be talking all the time. Yeah, I feel like that's a common theme with Geminis is that they're just always talking and they always have a lot to say, not necessarily in a bad way, but they just are always talking. And my partner's mom is a Gemini son. She's that same way. My partner also has a Gemini moon and they're always talking, like very curious, very like will always just... I don't know sometimes like this thing with me and my partner is that i feel like i'm not always thinking about things and mm -hmm. i feel like they are like they will look at me and just be like what are you thinking about right now and i'm like nothing like they're like really there are times where you just don't think of anything like you have nothing in your brain i'm like yeah i thought that was like a thing for normal people but oh yeah i feel like gemini's definitely are like that but I vibe with it. No, my partner has nothing in his head. Like, at all times, there's nothing in his head. And for me, I've already thought about, like, the back to the background. I'm thinking about, like, my bangs splitting. I'm thinking about how your hair looks and it looks good. Like, I'm constantly, like, there's something always going on. There's, like, always a monologue, which I have ADHD, so that's why I have so a monologue which makes me think like is it a gemini thing or is it like adhd thing i don't really know <laughs> i don't know though because my best friend he's a gemini and like he just talk 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 all day long and we talk over each other consistently all the time like i'll be listening to his audios and it's an it's a recording podcast and that's what i do though <laughs> it's so funny yeah and then my other best friend is leo and I talk a lot of talk, but she backs up the talk because she's a Leo. Right. right. And I get that. My partner is a Leo sun, a Gemini moon, and a Sagittarius rising. So Ooh. we both have a lot of fire going on. <laughs> and like you were saying earlier, it can be like, it can either go really well with fire and fire or it can just really be shit completely. Um, but I feel like we vibe off of each other really well and we're always very fun and expressive and creative and mm -hmm. passionate about everything and you know me being an Aries they say I'm the baby of the zodiac and I can kind of see that because first of all I'm very sensitive and people wouldn't think that but I'm starting to realize that's kind of like a theme for me yeah and yeah <laughs> <laughs> um okay as much as I could sit and talk about like Okay, one, give me your hottest opinion when it comes to which Zodiac sign you hate. Give me your hottest opinion and the one that you like the most. The one I absolutely hate the most, guaranteed, is a Cancer. I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm so sorry. I can't deal with it. They're very, like, manipulative and can be, like, clingy and want to know all your business. And, like, my Scorpio moon does not like that shit um <laughs> at all and then the sign that i love the most it really would just be any fire sign i think and I, that count that kind of sounds like a little biased but i just feel like 
I just love our energy. The sign that I hate the most is a tie between Scorpio and Pisces. I don't like water signs. I'll be very honest. I think they're manipulative. I think they're too sensitive. I'm sorry, Katie, that you're listening to this. But I just think they're very bitchy. And a lot of them are narcissists. I'll be I'll be honest. A lot of them narcissists. Grew up with a Pisces grandma, and she was a narcissist. Now, the sign that I like the most, no doubt, I'm so sorry, but it's Aries always. It's always an Aries. I surround myself like my dad was an Aries. My partner is an Aries. Like I like to surround myself in them because they're just like, they go chaotically with Gemini's so well. And I, I just, I love it. I love Aries. It's just, I live for like a fire sign, which Leo too. So I live for the fire signs. Yeah. I absolutely love hearing you say that because like, I feel like so many people shit on Aries yes and they're like they're mean they're mad all the time they're fiery and i'm like just take just say you can't handle them and move on just say that you can and that we're not for you (laughs) (laughs) okay so we have sat and we talked about so many different things i i wish we had gotten to all of the topics because we still had like one topic that i really wanted to talk about But I don't want to sit and have people be like, gosh, dang, this is so long. Um, So we've kind of hit like just a time limit for our little coffee date. So I want to thank you for joining. I'm so happy that you've been on here. I'm so happy to have got to know you, to be mutuals with you. Um, I found Ashley through the internet. And it's a true testament to the TikTok community that I've built. Um, It's small, but it's mighty. You know, <laughs> it's small, but it's mighty. But I, I'm so glad to sit here and have this conversation with you. The Aries and Gemini was just popping off the whole time, as you can tell. And I loved it. Right here. <laughs> right here. <laughs> um, that, you know, you had me on your podcast. I think that's amazing. And I had such a great time. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I appreciate all the time um you know that everyone has put into this i can't wait to bring more guests on my podcast and till next time